for news and views on robotics. Hello and welcome to the 160th episode of the Robots Podcast. I am Jana and in this episode we focus on the future of driving with autonomous cars. But first, as always, let's get updated on the latest developments in robotics from Christine. Thank you, Jana. The Tiddlybot is a new project on Kickstarter by Agilic Robotics that seeks to help young people learn about robotics and programming. Tiddlybot is a shoe-sized, low-cost robot that drives with two wheels and has a tail. It has an assortment of sensors that allow it to follow and draw lines. The brain of the robot is a Raspberry Pi, which is an inexpensive, palm-sized, Linux-ready embedded computer. The robot can be controlled by the user with any smartphone, tablet or PC or programmed with Agilic's graphical coding interface Blockly as well as in JavaScript or Python. The last day to support Tiddlybot on Kickstarter project is July 26. Good luck, Tiddlybot! Multi-rotor craft are being used increasingly to record video. But most people are not happy to be the target of a video that is being flown by an unseen operator. This is the issue that Sergei Lupashi and his team are trying to address with Photokite. Unlike other autonomous following motor rotor craft, Photokite has a tether which connects the user to a GoPro camera fitted quadcopter. Onboard algorithms fly the quadcopter without the need for a pilot, GPS or Wi-Fi. To the user, flying is as simple as holding a kite, and framing the picture is as easy as rotating a handheld monitor. The tether provides visual accountability for bystanders and property owners. Also, because it is tethered, Photokite is not subject to regulation by the Federal Aviation Administration, which will likely miss their 2015 deadline for unmanned aerial vehicle regulation. While Photokite's price is still unknown, it seems to be a tool that will be added to many reporters' inventory one day soon. For more information on educational robots and autonomous quadcopters, visit robohub.org. Kyle Vogt is the founder and CEO of the startup company called Cruise. This company has built the first highway autopilot system that installs on existing vehicles. It uses sensors and advanced machine vision technology to keep you in your lane and a safe distance away from the car in front of you. Our interviewer, Audro, spoke to Kyle about Cruise, its potential to eliminate the mundane parts of driving, improve safety and spearhead the driverless revolution. Hi, welcome to Robots Podcast. Hi. Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Kyle Vogt. I'm the CEO and founder of Cruise, which is a company building driving automation technology. What is the goal and motivation behind Cruise? Um, Cruise is building uh, what we call a highway autopilot. So it's a system that installs on your car and drives for you when you're on the highway. 
So really useful for long trips, commuting, or uh, being stuck in traffic. And that's just the, the beginning. We uh, have goals to do much more, but we wanted to start by getting this product on the market um, and helping the people that deal with that problem on a daily basis. How does it look? Um, the system has three components um, that we install on your vehicle. So the first is uh, a computer that goes in the trunk and controls, uh, has some electronics to control parts of your vehicle. Um, the second component is a sensor pod, we're calling it, that mounts on the roof of the car right behind the windshield. And it's got sensors inside. It has two cameras, video cameras, that are looking for the markings on the road. And then a radar, which... Um, uh, sends out radio signals and picks up large metal objects on the road, in this case, the other cars around you. Um, and so we use data from those sensors to control your steering wheel, uh, your gas pedal, and your brake pedal. Um, and we do that with motors that are installed uh, in the driver's side footwell that physically push the brake pedal and, and rotate the steering wheel. And how does a user activate the cruise system? Um, so we designed it to be pretty simple. I mean, there's just a single button that is mounted uh, sort of in the console of the car, and you just push it to turn the system on once you're already in a lane on the highway, um, and then it engages and takes control of the steering wheel for you. And then um, just like cruise control, you can disable the system. You know, if you, if you want to switch lanes or something, you just tap the gas or the brake pedal or just grab onto the steering wheel. So it'll keep you in one lane the whole time? Yeah, it keeps you, uh, uses the cameras to keep you in the center of the lane and um, the, the radar to keep you a safe distance from the car in front of you. So it's sort of like a fancy cruise control. How does it alert users when it needs their attention? Um, we've just got audio cues. So if, uh, for example, you're reaching you know, an area where the highway transitions into another kind of road or a construction zone or something like that, it just talks to you and says, you know, it's time to take control. And it'll start that, uh, you know, a fair distance ahead of that point and get louder as you approach, um, you know, the change. Do you need the users to be attentive while the cruise system is driving? Yeah. So, you know, you can imagine the future will have self-driving cars where you can just get in and, and take a nap and fall asleep or, or pull out your laptop and do work. But for now... Um, the driver still needs to be in the loop. This is a new technology, and the driver needs to be paying attention and watching the road. You just don't have to have your hands on the wheel. So far, what do users think? Um, well, we don't have this installed on any customer vehicles yet. It's just a um, sort of a, a demonstration version right now. But people are, you know, really impressed. It's it's very. It's it's shocking for the first few seconds when you see someone take their hands off the wheel and the car is you know still driving, it's still going around the turns and everything. But uh, very quickly, people start to become comfortable with it and you know start to trust it. It it doesn't take very long for you know of watching this computer system drive your car for you to feel like um, you know it really knows what it's doing. Mm -hmm. When are you expecting it to hit the market and people to actually have this installed in their car? Um, well, we announced the product on June 23rd, um, and we have another probably six to nine months of work to finish our safety testing and qualification before we um, actually start installing it on customer vehicles. So probably the first half of 2015. Do you have any fun or interesting anecdotes of people when they got in the car? 
Um, let's see. I don't think so. Again, it's just, I think it's a little bit, um, it's kind of a strange experience because when the system works perfectly, uh, people don't really say much. They're just kind of like, you know, silently watching the steering wheel, waiting for it to make a mistake, but it doesn't. So you're just, you're just kind of sitting the wheel spin and uh you know it's like this suspenseful feeling it's i, I feel like you know it's it, it's terrible to say this but it's the same way some people watch nascar and they're really just waiting for the accident you know the cars are just going around the track otherwise but you know i guess they're maybe they're slightly disappointed when we don't have one what major challenges have you encountered when designing this um well there's been a few it's uh you know, the, these cars were designed to be controlled by humans, not by motors. Um, so we had difficulties uh, finding ways to mount motors and, uh, you know, get them to control the, the steering wheel, the gas pedal, and the brake pedal um, without modifying the car and also without getting in the way when you're not using it. Um, so that was one challenge. Another one is, you know, is sections of highway or road where the lane markers have been uh, worn away or where there was recently construction and they're painted over. Um, so we've been spending a lot of time working on our machine vision algorithms to make sure we can still detect the lane markers in that case or at the very least know which areas of um, highways are just, are just in pretty bad shape and then you know, letting drivers know ahead of time that they need to take over. Does it do any scanning of the cars around uh, the cruise system or the around the car you're driving in? Yeah, so we use uh, we use the radar to um, detect you know where sort of as our primary source of where the other vehicles are. So we know you know when to slow down if you're approaching a traffic jam or something like that. And we also use the cameras for that as sort of a backup source. So are there any legal or ethical questions related to autonomous cars? that you guys are facing? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, sort of the legality is a big question. It's uh, It's been assumed for a long time that people are behind the wheel and driving a vehicle. And so a lot of the laws weren't necessarily written um, with computers as drivers uh, in mind. So some of the questions are around, you know, if there's not a driver in the wheel, behind the wheel, who's responsible if there's an accident or... You know, do you do you need to be behind the wheel even, or can you talk on your cell phone since that's illegal in some states? There's a number of questions there, um, and then also safety concerns. Like you know, the the government often takes responsibility for regulating these kinds of systems to make sure people, both in these kinds of cars and also the other cars on the road, are safe. Um, and so that's sort of an ongoing development to see, you know, who's going to write those regulations, what they'll look like. Um, and you know how how companies like Cruise can be in compliance with those laws and regulations. So currently, you guys are only in California. Uh, do you have plans to go elsewhere, or are yeah, you just waiting um, on legislation? Yeah, we we started in California because you know we're based in California; it's close to home. But secondly, California has sort of led the way with um, drafting autonomous vehicle regulations and and just thinking about the consequences of having these things on the road. So it's a good place for us to start. So I'd like to talk about a, a little bit about your work starting companies. And so I'd like to start by asking, what tips do you have for young entrepreneurs? Um, well, probably the best thing to do in the beginning is work for a startup. So get an internship or you know your first job out of college or something 
or even in high school, just work for a startup and uh, find one that's fairly small where you can still see a lot of the mechanics of running the company. So, you know, in a small company, often everyone wears a lot of hats. They may do a little bit of, you know, customer support, a little bit of technical work, a little bit of sales and marketing. Everything kind of gets thrown under the same, uh, you know, the same responsibilities. So that's the best way to sort of see, you know, how an experienced entrepreneur handles these things and, and you know, observe and learn uh, from behind the scenes. Yeah, almost an apprenticeship. That's right. And starting up. So what are some of the major challenges when you're beginning a company? Well, there's plenty. Um, <laughs> where to start? So I guess when you're coming, putting a company together, the first thing is sort of coming up with an idea and forming a business plan. And the idea there is usually to convince other people to invest in your company and you know, essentially give you sometimes a lot of money um, to go do this thing. And so you need to be convincing and uh, you know, have a compelling argument on that front. Um, the next one is sort of attracting talent. You've got to find great people to work with and convince them to join you. And in the early stages, when it's you know it's just you and maybe a couple friends and an idea, it can be pretty pretty difficult to convince other people to join you. You know you've got to have a really solid vision and get them excited about it. It'd be very motivating. Um, so those are kind of the first steps. And then you also have to build the product or the service or whatever it is. And that uh, you know those three things are all all big jobs in themselves, and you have to do them all simultaneously and all really well. Does it take a lot of planning up front before you try to get other people, before you create your business plan, and before you create the product? Um, I mean, that's up to you, I suppose. Um, you can sort of create the business plan and recruit people simultaneously, or you can wait until you've already, you know, you've already taken on investment dollars and have a, pro a prototype product before you sort of recruit more people. Um, it's certainly a lot easier to to have partners and, and have other people involved because, you know, like I said, it's a lot of work and it, uh, it's nice to spread the load around a little bit. Definitely. Going back to Cruise, what are some of the future goals of the company? Can you talk about it? Um, yeah, I mean, in the short term, we just want to, um, you know, focus on making this product extremely safe and making it work really well so that people are happy with it um, when we bring it to the market. Uh, in the first half of 2015. But beyond that, you know, we'd like to do a lot more. We'd like to work, um, you know, towards towards building fully autonomous vehicles and all the technology that goes into that. So, for example, one thing that's important to us that we'll be uh, focusing on in the near future is mapping. Um, you know, you can, you can build a pretty smart vehicle by putting sensors on it and trying to teach it how to drive. But ultimately, you need maps or other data about what's going on in the world um, so the car has some idea what to do before it even gets there. And there are very few places to get that kind of mapping data right now. So we're trying to build it ourselves. How did you come to the approach of just having the, um, the sensor pad on top? Um, well, uh, I decided early on that I wanted this to be a consumer product. Um, and so that meant coming in at a price point that people could actually afford and um, the sensors that Google uses are amazing, and they're, they're really powerful sensors that give great data, but unfortunately they cost about $75,000. So that was just never even on the list of consideration. Uh, so what we ended up with is sort of a set of the, the minimum sensors you need to accomplish this job and do it well, um, but nothing more. So it makes it a little bit harder on the software side, 
but in the end we have a product that's much more realistic and I think um, you know people can uh, imagine having on their vehicles very soon. And how did you decide the goal of just making it an autonomous highway co-pilot? Well, I, I looked at um, sort of the different places you can drive a vehicle, and you can kind of break that out into sort of urban driving, um, maybe suburban or, or rural driving, and then highway driving. And out of those, I think highway driving is, is one of the uh, more straightforward ways to drive safely, because if we're talking about restricted access highways, like major highways in the U.S., they typically have barriers that prevent uh, pedestrians or bicyclists or other people from entering the highway. And um, there are no stoplights or driveways or turnoffs other than exits, which means there are just fewer variables to deal with. Um, and the car can focus mostly just on the simple things like staying in the lane and speeding up and slowing down rather than having to worry about navigation and turn lanes and, um, you know, pedestrians walking across the road and all that kind of thing. Speaking of something similar to pedestrians, did you, if, say, a deer is in the highway, do you guys uh, plan to stop the vehicle for that or alert the user quickly? Well, it's a combination of both. Um, so this system requires the driver to pay attention to the road. Um, so hopefully you'll see that deer farther out than we can and, and start slowing down. But our system also has to be safe enough so that, you know, if, if you don't see it right away, it still starts slowing down for you. So the answer is both. Um, and that's that's why we've kind of got a lot of work ahead of us to, to make that happen. Is, did you design the RP1, the system we've been talking about, to be upgraded, like have software updates? Yeah, so the same way that uh, Tesla can send updates to cars remotely, uh, we have a similar feature built in. And that's just because, you know, we, we plan to do a lot of work on the software and over the next couple of years. And uh, the hardware that's installed on these cars is uh, sort of more than we need right now. So that, that gives the opportunity for, you know, potentially new features to come out in the future. So wrapping up, what do you think will be the future of robotics? Future of robotics. Well... I think there's a lot of people thinking about that right now and sort of, um, you know, the holy grail of robotics has been sort of automating, um, you know, tasks that people do every day. So, for example, there's the Roomba robot vacuum cleaner that was pretty popular because that's a task that not many people like to do. And I think sort of, you know, there's a lot of people thinking about other things that maybe kitchen-related tasks or cleaning or household work that uh, could be automated by a machine. And so I think we're going to see a lot of exciting stuff in that area and also in the world of automated driving. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. And that's the end of this episode. If you're curious about autonomous cars, why not check out our autonomous vehicle series on robohub.org. Alternatively, you can find more information about Cruise on our website at robotspodcast.com. The next podcast episode will air in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Cruise with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.